All right. Those were some of the examples of uh, social media things you had posted from, from you all about hospitality over the last week. We'll have a chance to do that again this week. We'll tell you about that at the end of the service. I'd like to thank Chuck Gardner. Thanks, Chuck, for sharing. We really appreciate you being here today. It was, it was wonderful. We're continuing our series on spiritual disciplines, all kinds of spiritual disciplines leading up to Easter. As we said last week, it was hospitality. Today, we're doing a fun one on confession that we talked about with the kids. So, and Pastor Jerry has wanted us to kind of uh, do things which get us involved in what we're doing, what we're talking about. So I thought this morning we would practice the art of confession and have people come forward and confess. And we're going to start with Jerry, then we're going to skip Megan, and then we're going to go on to that section. You ready? No. Okay. All right. But instead of hearing your confessions, which we're not actually going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to hear a confession, a real confession from one of the great heroes of the Bible, from King David. Not the David who fought Goliath, the young David, not at that age. Not the David who was serving um, under Saul. The David who was king, who shared an authentic confession. So we're going to read from Psalm 51, uh, David's psalm. Before we do that, let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you are here in this room with us. We've already been in prayer and we've already been encouraged. Help us now to understand your word. Lord, may, may my words bring honor to you and may you move in our hearts to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. From Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So David pours out this really heartfelt prayer with a lot of emotion. 
What did he do to get to this point, to need to pray a prayer like this? Well, Bible scholars tell us to look at things in context. In context. And we see when we look in context um, where David was coming from when he prayed this prayer. It was from 2 Samuel 12. And I'd like to kind of paraphrase part of that story. We see Nathan, who was a prophet, working for David, and he comes to David, and he tells David the story of one man who with many sheep took another man's one sheep. It was the rich taking from the poor. And when David heard this story, he was furious. And he said this, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Now I know with my boys, I got three sons. If I were to say, you the man, they would really like that, okay? But that's not what Nathan is saying to David. He's not saying you to man. He's saying you are the man who took another man's wife. Here's what Nathan says, starting in verse 9 in 2 Samuel 12. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. David had taken another man's wife to be his own. Then he set it up in battle. He sent Uriah back to battle um, where, David, where Uriah would go to the front with his troops. And then the troops would be pulled back so Uriah would be alone at the front and hopefully in David's eyes be killed. And that's exactly what happened. So David was then free to marry Uriah's widow and to have, so she could have his baby, which she was already carrying. Nathan says about David, he says, the sword will never depart from your house. Well, David had a son later who tried to actually take over his kingdom. He drove David out of Jerusalem, and there was much pain in David's family line all through his life. Sin has consequences. And we think sometimes, you know, that little sin, I'm not sure anybody noticed that. I'm not sure that will have consequences. Sin has consequences, even if the consequence it is to separate you from fellowship with God for a time. Several years ago, I made an honest mistake. Now, this honest mistake just happened to be on my federal income taxes, okay? Now, I didn't discover that I made a mistake, this is the true story, until the next year. When I went to do my taxes again, and I thought, something doesn't look right. This isn't the way I did it last year. So I went and found my last year's taxes. I pulled them out of the box. I started going through them, and I think, I made a mistake on last year's taxes. I subtracted something I wasn't. It was an error in my favor. I think I owe the government money. So I called a friend of mine who was a member of this church, who was an accountant, and I explained to him the situation, and I said, what do I need to do? And he said, first of all, I think you did make a mistake on your taxes, and you're going to have to file an amended return you're going to have to pay the money you owe, and you're probably going to have to pay a penalty. So I remember hanging up the phone and getting frustrated, and I waited. I didn't do anything right away. And then I called him back. I called him a second time. Now, can I explain to you again the situation? Because <laughs> here's what I did. Are you sure? And he said, yes, Scott, I'm sure. You messed up. You made a mistake in your taxes. Here's what you need to do. So I filed an amended return, and I did get a letter from the government that I owed taxes and I owed a penalty for the time that had passed. 
since I had made the mistake. And we paid that penalty, although it was totally my fault, not Claire's at all. So our mistakes. I want you to know that. That's important, right? Okay. It was my, I was the one doing the taxes, okay? Our mistakes have consequences. Our sins have consequences. Now, David, back to David, he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, and Nathan worked for him. And David was the king, as we shared with the kids. David was incredibly powerful. And it appears in the story, the way it reads in 2 Samuel, they may, they may very well have been alone in a room somewhere when Nathan confronted David with his sin. And Nathan was very bold in the way that he confronted uh, David. Now, David had the power to even punish Nathan or even have him killed, and it may have been that his sin may not have come out, at least not publicly. So what did David do when confronted with his sin? David said this, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. David confessed specific sin. He's the king, but confessing his wrongdoing. Now, that's not the end of the story. Nathan immediately says, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. So we have a God who forgives. We see in the story, David confesses and God forgives. And yet still, we probably want to ask the question, how does it come about that David is called a man after God's own heart? A man after God's own heart? You know, when he did this and there's other things he messed up on too, how was David a man after God's own heart? Well, we read just a few moments ago in David's own words, Psalm 51. And in it, we read, when you, when you feel some of the emotion that David wrote down, he was overwhelmed by his sin, that he was truly sorry and wanted to change. He calls his sin iniquity, his own sin, transgressions, evil. He says he even feels his bones are crushed. He doesn't make con- excuses, but confesses. And this is from the king. Then he calls out to God for help knowing that his sin has consequences. He even says in verses 1 and 2, this is where he starts his prayer, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He goes on later in the psalm to say, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Restore to me your spirit. We may not use the, David, David's word, the words that David used, but when we mess up, when we sin, we need to go to God. We need, we need to say, however you say it, God, I blew it. On that situation, I messed up, I was wrong, and I am sorry. Will you please forgive me, O Lord, in your mercy and in your compassion? Please forgive me. But we don't only see a glimpse into David's life in this psalm and in this story. We see a glimpse into who God is as well. Even though it's David's words, he calls upon who God is and who he knows God to be. He says that God desires, not some of the sacrifices that they had in the Old Testament, but God desires a truly contrite heart. He says a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That God gives love and compassion and mercy. That God forgives. God creates clean hearts. God restores our spirits. God can give us the joy of our salvation. God can give us new life. Just as Chuck shared earlier, God can give us new life through the power of Jesus Christ when we turn our hearts and turn our lives to him. So God, God forgives, but like David, we need to confess as well. Many, many years ago, I had a good friend 
who told me something in confidence. And later, uh, there was a mutual friend, uh, another, another guy, that kind of knew some of the background of this story that was going on, and he asked me about it. And I shared with him what my first friend had shared in confidence. And I didn't know why I did it, but I did. And I don't even remember what he told me in confidence, but I do remember two things. First of all, I, f- I immediately felt terrible that I had broken my friend's confidence. And I knew that I needed to tell him and confess to him and ask for his forgiveness. I felt so badly about it. So I, I thought I could let it go, but I can't because I feel too bad about it. So I remember calling him, and I told him the story. I told him what I had done, and I asked for his forgiveness. And he was such a good guy, such a good man, um, a Christian man, that I thought his response would be, that's okay, Scott, no big deal, forget about it. Instead, he was upset, rightfully so. And he questioned me pretty hard on why what he had told me in confidence I had shared with someone else. And I remember I had no reason to give him no excuses except that I had blown it. I apologized again. I asked for his forgiveness. And I want to tell you, over time, over the course of many years, and it actually didn't take very long, he forgave me. Our friendship has been rebuilt, and I still consider him one of my best friends today. When we mess up, we need to confess, knowing that God will forgive and believing and hoping that the people close to us will forgive us as well through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. So David gives us some example of how we do this, but we need, I think we need some more help on how do we go about this confession thing because it's not easy. John Ortberg in his book, which is a book I would recommend called The Life You've Always Wanted, gives some steps or some ideas on how we go about confession in our own lives. He says, first, prepare your heart, prepare your heart. And we see David is ready ready to admit his wrong because his heart is already frustrated and angry at this sin that he's heard about that Nathan has pointed out. We need to prepare our hearts. For me, I try to um, get my heart in the right place by uh, starting most of my prayers, not all of them, by praising God and offering thanks to God for who God is, praising God for who he is, and it gets me in the right place to realize who God is and who I am in his eyes. So we prepare our hearts. Second, examine your life. Another great psalm from David is the 139th psalm, where at the end, David says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. What great words from David, that we need to take time in our lives to reflect and say, God, I want to be quiet. I want to think about where have I messed up. Show those things to me so that I might confess to you, and if I need to make them right, to make them right. This is an area where I still need to grow, and I'm sometimes impatient in sharing those things with God. Third, confess to God. We see David do this throughout Psalm 51. He's confessing his specific sin, and we need to do as well. And then we need to ask like David did to, God, have mercy on me in your unfailing love and in your compassion. Love me again and have mercy on me. Please forgive me. And then fourth, and this is also very important, Accept the fact that God forgives you. David believes it. He asks for it. And then we see as we look at the story of David that he moves on to continue to become one of the great kings, if not the greatest king of all of the history of Israel. David doesn't wallow in it. Once God forgives him, he moves on. And we need to do the same, accepting God's forgiveness 
and in situations where we need to make things right to go ahead and make things right. In my life, um, and in your life as well, it's important sometimes that we share some of the things that we need to confess with others as well. And so in my life, I have uh, my wife, Claire, that sometimes I share things. I have some other people that I would consider accountability partners, that if I needed to share something, a struggle that I had, that I would be willing to share that with them, and they would hear it and could offer me forgiveness through Jesus Christ. In James 5.16, we read this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. God can forgive anyone and anything and calls us at times to confess to each other. Now, our world now wants us to downplay sin, not make a big deal about it. You know, sin's not that big of a deal. We're all tolerant of each other. But the reality is, Everyone in this room, everyone in the world is a sinner, and we make mistakes. We, we do actions or don't do things that are the right things that separate us from God. But in churches, sometimes we can hide that. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, said about that. He said, many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone in our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy, He who is alone with his sins is utterly alone. So confession is to God. Nothing stands between you and God. You don't need a priest. You don't have to have someone else to go to God to confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. You don't need that. You can go to God now and pray to him. But there are times when we need to bring our struggles, our hurts, our pain, something that's bugging us, to someone else. Tell it to them and ask for their help and not keep it in secret. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says, you also, when you feel the need to confess to someone something, confess to someone who can handle it. There are those who might not hear what you want to say, or they might go and tell others. There are those who might be horrified at what you share, and they won't be able to handle it. So share instead with someone that you trust, who is mature, who is a Christian, that can um, give back to you. And when someone shares with you a confession, as you are in Christ and as you are a person that they may trust, be prepared to receive their confession. What do you do? What do you say? You could say something as simple as this. God forgives you through the work of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You can say something as simple as that. Or if you like Scripture and you want to quote this from 1 John 1, 9, John says this, if we confess our sin... He is faithful and just, and God will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. Amen? God is good, will forgive us our sin and purify us when we need it. So back to David. David is truly sorry for his actions. He cries out to God. He realizes that he's a sinner, and he tells God that. And then we also see that he trusts God and trusts that God can forgive him, and he asks for mercy. Then he understands that once God has forgiven him, once he has forgiveness, he can move on with his life. A few weeks ago at the Great Banquet, um, I had a wonderful weekend. There's women on the Great Banquet this weekend. We can be praying for them. They'll conclude this evening. But at the Great Banquet, I heard a great quote from a man during the weekend. He said, God gives us a big windshield and a small rearview mirror. God gives us a big windshield and a small rearview mirror. We don't forget 
what lies behind us, we learn from it. But we are looking ahead to a bright and wonderful future that God holds for us when we are in Jesus Christ. One of the other things I love about the Bible and about David's story is it tells us that um, God can use anyone to do his work and to do his will. He used hated tax collectors, rough fishermen, teenage unwed mothers to do incredible things. God can use you and God can use me to do his work. God even used um, the man named John Newton to do his work. John Newton is the writer of the song, the hymn, Amazing Grace. John Newton was also once involved in the slave trade on on slave ships and eventually became a captain of some slave ships in the mid-1700s. Then he came to Christ, and over a period of years, he became an Anglican priest and wrote hymns, including the hymn, Amazing Grace. He said this. This is a quote from John Newton. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But I am still not what I used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. John Newton also said this near the end of his life. Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very well. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. That's good news. John Newton, like David, was a sinner, but he was also a man after God's own heart. And we too can be men and women and children after God's own heart when we confess our sin, when we go to God, believe in his forgiveness, and accept it into our lives. Put that in the rearview mirror and then move forward with him. As we're doing each week, we want to give you homework to do. And we want, we want to do this to help make the things that we talk about here on church last in your lives and in my life as well. And so on your way out this morning, you'll receive a card that looks like this. And the task, one of the spiritual disciplines, which is confession for this week, here's what it says. Write a prayer explaining the habits, behavior, and sins that you want to die to and keep it with you this week, reading it several times a day. And then we'd love to be connected to you through the hashtag DigZPC. And on the back, there's some ways that you could do that through social media. Or if you're not involved or connected to social media and you wanted to share with somebody, you can call the church office and ask for one of us. We'd be happy to, to share with you and hear your story. So... When we bring our sins to God, when we bring our lives to God, we fall down to his grace. It even says in heaven, we will fall down and lay our crowns before the one who is the giver of all grace before Jesus Christ. We can appreciate his grace and his love that he has for us. So let's stand and we're going to sing together a song talking about that grace and those words.